We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome back. As we head into Hour 3, it is a delight to bring back to the show Professor Charles Lipson. He is the Peter B. Ritzma Professor of Political Science Emeritus at the University of Chicago, where he founded the program on international politics, economics, and security. He has his own website. You can follow him on and keep updated with all his works, charleslipson.com. I'll spell his name. It's not the same as mine. It's L-I-P-S-O-N. Charles L-I-P-S-O-N. Charles Lipson.com is his website. And uh, just really one of my favorite public intellectuals and uh, prolific writer. He had a recent piece I wanted to talk to him about. Can Democrats solve their Kamala Harris problem? Professor, welcome back to the Airwaves of Phoenix. Well, I uh, appreciate it. And uh, your listeners should know that we are still undecided, you and I, Seth, about which of our ancestors misspelled our last name. <laughs> That's right. Well, we were all uh, we were all family at one point, weren't we? <laughs> where does your family uh, are you first, second, third generation, or where do they come from? Curious. Um, you know, uh, m- my great grandfathers came over um, um, from all different areas, but the most. To me, the most interesting is that we lived in the same sort of housing grouping, um, several houses together, with one of my great-grandfathers, who had escaped from Europe on foot, having been in the Tsar's army. No kidding. No kidding. And he lived into his 90s, very alert, and an interesting interesting guy, as you could well imagine. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I I have other family that uh, came from the Austria-Hungary area. That came from Bohemia, uh-huh. uh, which was actually the part uh, that Hitler had a lot of Germans in that area, yep. and it was uh, one of the, uh, the Sudetenland. Yeah, this is area the true fifth Hitler... column. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. No. I I mean I find all of this interesting, but there's also something since you're out west. Also, something that I really like about the fact that we as Americans can sort of start over. We, yep. we, we're not limited yep. by the fact that this ancestor or that ancestor. And, and that um, brings me to Nikki Haley. Oh, actually. good. Please. Yeah, sure. You know, uh, I, I, I would be surprised if she made it all the way because I think that um, the uh, – the starting position really has to go to Ron DeSantis, although, uh, you know, Trump could be formidable. It's hard hard to know. But this, uh, but uh, Nikki Haley's story is a really uh, appealing one. Uh, uh, you know, family immigrated legally uh, to the country, and uh, she became a real American. And the idea that some on the left are criticizing her for using the name Nikki, which is a kind of an, uh, a shortened version of a uh, uh, of a South Asian Indian name uh, that uh, 
is her given name, but she used this Nikki since she was young. It's just a terrible thing. It's just terrible. It's as if, I mean, you know, because she's in no sense uh, trying to shy away from her family background. She's always proud of uh, uh, proud of it, and uh, you know, introduces her parents and all of the, all the rest. So I find that kind of a story, which you know, is shared by millions and millions of Americans. That, uh, I mean, you know, we all came from somewhere except for the Native Americans, and even they came over from somewhere. But we, we celebrate the fact that we came here, we became Americans in one way or another, and uh, we, uh, we should be working hard to, to build on those commonalities where we can. You know, it's so interesting. You, you said a volume there, uh, Professor Lipson, just a volume in what you said. First, um, it is interesting uh, that uh, Sonny Hostin on The View was uh, saying that she uh, changed her name to be uh, more American. It's actually not true. Nikki is on her birth certificate. But what I'm getting at, I suppose, is the pretzel logic. The Democrats will twist themselves in to take this person down. Um, and because there's probably and you, you kind of touch on this in the piece that uh, I was interested in, there's there's nothing so offensive to the left as someone who um, who so, so, someone who runs down the liberal narrative or the Democratic Party's narrative about those who should be in the Democratic Party, those who should be of the left, those who should be oppressed, those who should not feel good about this country, something about her being a woman. Something about her being in the parlance of our times, uh, perhaps a person of color or a different ethnicity <coughs> than white, if you will. No one drives them more crazy than people like that. This is why they oh, save wait, their greatest this, I mean, ire for people like attack, that. Look at how yeah. they attack Clarence Thomas. Right, Clarence and, Thomas. And this, uh, this whole thing about calling um, uh, – they'll go after Tim Scott the same way. Yes, and they did it to Larry Elder. The L.A. Times editorialized he was the white – Excuse me, is the black face of white supremacy. I mean, and that is literally pretzel logic. I mean, but they will do and say anything about these people that want to um, have uh, have their own point of view separate and apart from the notion that this country is a down market country that mistreats people who might be of a different sex or a different race or a different ethnicity. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and nothing makes me sadder than the fact that that logic has taken hold at universities, which ought to be bastions of free speech. And it's been one of the things that I've really fought for. And fortunately, uh, the University of Chicago is uh, where where I've taught for many, many years, is, is a place where freedom of speech is actually valued. And the key there, nobody ever says we hate freedom of speech. They always say we hate, we love some other value more, and that other value typically turns out to be something like we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we don't mean anybody's feelings. They don't mean yours, Seth. They mean some group with a particular ideology or their preferred victimhood. And I, I must say now that I'm sort of on it, yeah. this idea of victimhood yeah. Is really, it's not as if people aren't victims. I don't mean to deny the fact that, uh, and I certainly don't mean to deny the the, the cruel features that uh, that 
of our history, but but affected people individually. Sure. I don't mean to deny that. No, it exists. But it's also the case that if you start to think of yourself as a victim, you are really putting yourself uh, into a self-defeating position. That's you right. will never succeed. Yes, and you will be you will be constantly pessimistic and cynical, even about your own country, which is, I think, also something they can't stand and detest about Nikki Haley. I don't know if you were taught um, or if they still teach Crevacour's uh, line about what is a what is this uh, this American who leaves behind him all his ancient prejudices and manners and receives new ones from the new mode of life in this country, new government, new laws, new rank he holds, where all nations are melted into a new race of men. The left hates that. The left hates that, and that's what Nikki represents. She is willing to say that this is her country, and it's a great country. They hate that. Well, I'm that. glad you say it. <laughs> well, I'm glad you say it. I mean, it can't be repeated often enough, which uh, as long as it doesn't uh, sort of drift into an inability to try to correct uh, our errors. We, we make errors as a country. We make errors as, a, as people. And and we need to uh, we need to address those, but we don't need to address them by walking around like Eeyore. That's right, Eeyore of uh, A. A. Milne fame. James Madison said uh, we should be loving critics, and I've always thought that that was the problem with so much of our teaching of history. I'm 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 big into the study of history, and I believe history. Uh, American history textbooks should teach warts and all, but what I think too many on the left want is just warts and that's all. Yes, and I have a favorite history book, uh, 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 sort of for people who are interested in the general arc of American history and want it kind of without prejudice, left or right, Wilfred McKay. Can't say enough uh, about that man. I love that man. It's a great book. Wilfred really McClay, great. yeah, Wilfred McClay's. Uh, it's an invitation to the story of America, and it is a beautiful book. What that, is it? Land of Hope. Yeah, is Land of Hope, and it's just it's apprehensible for any age, uh, old or young, and it's a beautifully done. Um, it's a beautifully done text. Yeah, and it doesn't gloss over. You know, no. it, it does. It's not sort of political uh, anti. PC history in the sense of maybe glossing over. You know what? Let me pick up on that very point, because when I come back, I got to take a quick break. I want to pick up on that. That's such an important point about history books and their supposed and in some cases and in some regions uh, purported uh, neglect of some of the warts in our history. Let me pick up on that with you when I come right back. Professor Lipson is our guest, just a tremendous uh, essayist and tremendous thinker and broad thinker, as you can tell. CharlesLipson.com is his website. I emphasize the consonant just so you know how to spell it. L-I-P-S-O-N. As I've been saying, when your name is Liebson, the spelling isn't a self-evident truth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Dr. Charles Lipson is the Peter B. Ritzma Professor of Political Science Emeritus at the University of Chicago. We're talking a little bit about the teaching of history uh, wars, the history wars in America. Professor, the, what I wanted to run by you is it turns out for all this newfangled effort to uh, 
teach the actual and true American history in a, in 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 the in the in the verbiage of uh, of the left these days. It turns out they're the real distorters. You know, I grew up with a fairly standard history textbook. Uh, it was written by Henry Commager and Samuel Eliot Morrison. I grew up with Daniel Borston. I know all the stuff they tell us we aren't taught. It was all in there, first of all. So they raise, in many in many respects, I think they raise they raise a bogeyman. But when I see companies like Disney put out the video they did last week that said Abraham Lincoln didn't free the slaves, well, that's certainly not what Harriet Beecher Stowe or Frederick Douglass thought. That's the bad history. That's the distorted history. That's the wrong history. They're teaching errant history, Professor. I uh, agree with you. Uh, I think that some people start out their history or whatever they're writing, sociology, with a very strong point of view. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they collect evidence that supports it. This is called confirmation bias. Right. And we all have it. I mean, it's not, it's neither left nor right. I mean, the problem is um, that the uh, the academy uh, is now so heavily prejudiced yeah. in turn, you know, so weighted to one side that uh, it's always been kind of uh, more liberal. But, I mean, it's much different now than it used to be. I'm glad you mentioned, by the way, Daniel Boorstin, um, who was a professor here at the University right. of Chicago before right. he went to head the uh, Library of Congress. That's right. That's right. And he was going to write a book. He never got around to it. Uh, he wrote a lot of books, but he was going to write a book about the city where he grew up, mm -hmm. which was Tulsa. Hmm. And he was going to write it with another professor here at the university who grew up there, John Hope Franklin. Oh, I know who that is, of course. Yeah, yeah, distinguished black historian. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in fact, Boorstin's family had moved there from Georgia yeah. uh, when um, when the Klan was active in Georgia That's... and their family felt threatened. No kidding. Yeah, okay. I think the Leo Frank case would have come out of Georgia, too. That's if I'm not exactly mistaken. what it was, okay. and uh, which was the lynching of an innocent right. uh, Jewish man, right. uh, uh, which was related to a, a, a virulent prejudice right. at the time. Sure. But um, the, the fact is, he moved to Tulsa, and then Tulsa had right. a race right. riot. That's right. Um, after his family moved there, I don't know if he was alive at the time. It was like nineteen uh, uh, during World War One, I, yeah. I think. Yeah. But I mean, you know, none of this should be glossed over. No. In our uh, study of American history, I mean, th these are parts of our past, whether we like them or not. Uh, on the other hand. Um, we don't have to tear know, down the good things. We don't have to say Abraham Lincoln didn't free the slaves. Exactly. We we don't have to say that. We shouldn't say it. And it's misleading mm -hmm. uh, to say it. I, I think there's a part of a larger element here that's related to the media. And I don't mean, you know, the usual uh, correct. Uh, criticism of the media as being biased on the left and so forth. I, we just don't have heroes anymore. Well, that's right. I think that's right. More than anything, 
It's that cynicism and pessimism that is so infectious. We're now about iconoclasm and tearing down statues, whether they're in rock or in history books, more than anything else. And it's oh, it's a terrible yes, way to and, be. Yeah. Oh, yes. And the idea that people want to tear down, yeah. uh, uh, you know, all of these uh, statues. I, I, uh, I saw a really... Um, Good treatment of that a few years ago uh, when I went to uh, visit some friends at Ole Miss. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I think it's now all been changed. It may have been torn down there and so forth. But they had a statue. Uh, Ole Miss had been formed a few years before the Civil War, mm-hmm. and they had a statue. Uh, a long-standing statue there of some of the uh, representing the students who had gone off to f- fight for the South in okay. the Civil War, okay. and that had probably been there without being remarked upon for years. Mm-hmm. Well, by the time I was there, maybe five years ago or something, um, they had a, um, they kept the statue, but they did they had two other things that were very important. One was that they had a plaque describing, um, you know, and putting it in context and saying, you know, a lot of these people went off and, you know, we now know that they were fighting for uh, whatever they thought they were fighting for. They also were, in effect, defending slavery and there were other things. But then on the uh, other side, maybe 100 yards, uh, 200 yards away from it, there was a statue uh, uh, honoring uh, the person who integrated Ole Miss. Mm. A big, not just one statue, but a whole uh, a kind of uh, grouping mm-hmm. honoring James Meredith mm-hmm. who famously yeah. in- integrated right. Ole Miss. And it seemed to me that the combination of all of that was educational. That's what we call education. That right. is what we call education. And uh, it's it's just sad. Um, It's just sad that it has been so distorted. And we have kind of elevated and maybe this is another angle to your piece. We have kind of elevated feelings above knowledge. We have elevated emotions above intelligence when it comes to education. And that's probably what has happened with Kamala Harris. Probably. There's an element of that. Well, let's talk about Kamala. Okay. Let me do this. Let me take a quick commercial break, yeah. and that okay. way we can we can we can wind it up from the very beginning. How's that on the next set? Okay. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Professor uh, Charles Lipson is our guest. He writes a uh, regular column. You can access it and keep in touch with him and follow his work by going to his website, charleslipson.com, L-I-P-S-O-N is how he spells his name, Professor Emeritus, University of Chicago, among other things. And as you can see. Just a deep and widely educated and broadly um, thoughtful man who can um, who can talk about things and write about things with clarity. That's how you know you're in the presence of someone who's intelligent. They write clearly. I'm Seth. He's Charles. We'll be right back. Professor Charles Lipson is our guest. He is a professor emeritus at the University of Chicago. He has uh, is a prolific writer. You can keep up with his writings at charleslipson.com. 
Lipson.com. He spells his last name L-I-P-S-O-N. All right, Professor, let's get into it. Can Democrats solve their Kamala Harris problem? What is the Kamala Harris problem and what needs to be solved here? Uh, The problem is that she is manifestly incompetent and she's been promoted well above her level of competency. I call it, uh, I I begin the uh, piece uh, with a reference to the Peter Principle where people get promoted in a hierarchy uh, each time they're competent until they reach a level where they're incompetent. Mm -hmm. I'm uh, I'm not uh, an expert on how competent she was uh, as the Attorney General of California, but she's clearly incompetent in her current role as vice president and what normally uh people don't pay much attention to the vice president they don't pay much attention even if they don't particularly uh care for that choice Uh, we have a lot of evidence that it doesn't really affect voting um in in nearly all elections but that could be different this time around if uh joe biden runs as he is said that he is going to. He hasn't declared, but he has certainly declared he's going to declare. Yeah. And um, he would turn 86 during a second term, and he's clearly not... Uh, not uh, Entirely uh, compassmentous now, also. Well, yeah, it's hard to know. He won't release any cognitive testing, no. but it's pretty clear that he's lost more than a step, and yeah. he was never uh, the sharpest uh, pencil in the drawer anyway. Right. But but uh, Kamala Harris, uh, first of all, we, we're learning that she can't keep staff. Right. The staff hate her, and they leave. It's a toxic environment, apparently. Yep. Yep. And uh, she, uh, one of the problems is that she uh, doesn't do her homework. Right. She, she's not willing to sort of sit down and read the staff books and so forth. I don't know how sort of intrinsically smart and competent she is under that. And she's been saddled with things that weren't her fault. She's been made the, quote, borders are right. by a guy who seems uh, determined not to guard the border. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's his fault, not hers. Yeah. But she and Mayorkas have become its public face, and they've compounded it by telling us what is manifestly untrue, that the border is closed. I don't have to tell people in Arizona about that. Right, right. Uh, But, I mean, it's a pretty – so the problem is she's – everybody is noticing this, and she's underwater with every group. Including the New York Times and Washington Post, right? Right. Everybody's noticing it, but there's a problem. She's still, uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say vastly popular, but she's reasonably popular with African Americans uh, who still rate her more uh, positive. I think only 17% are unfavorable about her, Mm -hmm. whereas... um, more than half of the remain uh, of the general population, which includes African Americans, mm-hmm. are uh, unfavorable about her. But the problem so it's probably though, a sixty percent to seventy percent unfavorability if you prescind the African American uh, uh, survey from could that. Could be, yeah. yeah. And, and the the fact is, forty um, percent of the general population say they are very unfavorable. Right. Right. That, those are terrible numbers, right. but. The problem is 
that if you get rid of her, you risk insulting a community that is absolutely vital to the Democrats getting elected at every level of office. may not be quite so apparent in Arizona, where the African-American population is not nearly as large, but boy, it is really uh, apparent all across the South and in the Northeast and in the Midwest. How do you solve a problem like Kamala is, uh, could be the other, the, other, the other way to title your piece. This was a short segment, sir. We have a longer one coming up. I'd like to plummet a little bit more with you because, if, if you will, I believe that, the, yes, the Democrats brought this on themselves. And I noticed it during the campaign when so much was made of the glass ceiling she was breaking, theoretically breaking, I, I, important to add theoretically breaking, um, based on her gender and her race. It raises the kinds of things Shelby Steele was worrying about in the uh, early 1990s uh, with regard to his phrase, let me make sure I get it exactly right, the permanent stigma of questionable competence, because because when she was saying, look, Look! Look what women can do. Look what uh, look what persons of color can do, and this is going to be our, our to our great benefit. What do you say when she fails? What do you attribute it to? We'll be right back. You've probably been hearing me talk about why refi for a while now, and if you still have some questions about what it means to invest with them, they and implore you to contact them, and they will happily put you in touch with any number of their many satisfied clients and customers in the Phoenix area who have been investing with them and getting back great returns. 888-Y-REFI-34 is their number. Would you like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market or the Fed? Did you know you can invest with Y-REFI through an IRA or other qualified funds, and you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn tax deferred. That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. Check them out at investyrefi.com or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34. Professor Charles Lipson is our guest, professor of political science, University of Chicago. We're talking about his piece in Real Clear Politics, Can Democrats Solve Their Kamala Harris Problem? Uh, professor, you cannot discuss, one cannot discuss Honestly, the problem that Kamala Harris brings um, in all the ways that you said in the previous segment without discussing the fetish that was made of her race and gender that invites all these problems all the more so upon them. This is the problem, I think, and the mistake uh, too many in the left or on the left make uh, in making a qualification of something that you have no control over, what used to be called an unchangeable or an immutable characteristic, it tells you nothing about someone's ability. And when that becomes your, uh, when that becomes your calling card, when that becomes uh, your mer- merit and benefit, and then you demonstrably fail on those merits, this 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 is what r- rivens American society and culture even further. Well. Uh, that's that's right, and you can. Uh, part of it is uh, that we're um, we're right in striving uh, to ensure that everyone is treated equally, uh-huh. and we're right in knowing 
and emphasizing that that uh, we have a history that where some people have not been. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, when you uh, when you promote people to positions where uh, where they're going to uh, perform poorly, you're not doing anyone a favor. That's right. And um, I would go beyond. I would say that there are uh, two problems. One is you're not doing them a favor in certain ways. I don't want to say that about Harris. She certainly, uh, I'm sure, feels like, oh, this is great. I'm the <laughs> vice president of the United States. I'm a heartbeat away from a guy who uh, you never know how his health is going to be yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. But uh, she's uh, she's got duties to the rest of us. That's right. I mean, she's responsible to the rest of us. But this is a big problem in terms of affirmative action on campus and all the rest. But it, it, it goes beyond that. We've seen uh, situations where uh, people are... Uh, in a false sense that we're trying to create a certain equality, are allowed to buy, let's say, housing okay. uh, without having to put up very much money because right. we want to uh, increase uh, the equality in that market. And then what happens is that at the first downturn, they're in a terrible position right. and they lose their house. So right. we've got to uh, try to balance some of these uh competing goals. Uh, and it, it, it's, a, it's a clear problem um, that's going to get uh, a lot of attention, I think, later this year when affirmative action is ruled unconstitutional by the Supreme Court. There's no doubt in my mind that it will be. You're talking about the Harvard and UNC cases brought by the Asian American right. communities right. in both. It is interesting, though, isn't it, uh, too, when you start playing this game and make a fetish of these things, that um, that it it's not it's not a, a wand that passes universally over every minority head. There are favored minorities and disfavored minorities. The Asian American community can tell you that right now. That's why they're in court, right? That's exactly right. Um, it's a combination of uh, which minorities are favored yeah. and which ideas among them, because nobody, the, the people who are all in favor of this are not favoring Tim Scott. That's right. You know, That's they're right. not they're not happy that that. Uh, uh, well, look at the rant Whoopi Goldberg. You, look at the rant Whoopi Goldberg made against Nikki Haley. I mean, it's it's right. It's it's, it's, it's disgusting. Uh, and, uh, uh, but once, you, I mean, you, you can see why a party that has revved up, uh, racial identity mm-hmm. now finds itself in a kind of That's bind right. because not everybody, um, thinks the same way. The That's pressure right. on campus is just ludicrous. And, um, and it, it you know, you just wouldn't be promoted or whatever uh, if you have the wrong ideology. Yeah, that's what it is. You put your finger on it. There's this notion. It's not spoken about, but this is what it is. Uh, it, it, this is what it is founded upon. It's the notion that your race or gender determines your thinking. Uh, someone with your family's history and mine should find that beyond odious. But that's what it says, and the lie of it is that I have more in common with Larry Elder than I do with Chuck Schumer. Well, uh, 
yes, on maybe on political issues, but when it and on other issues, this is the point about the intersectionality, yeah, right. which is one of these games that is played. The, the idea is that you are one thing, but you're not. I, I mean, you know, uh, you may be, let's say, Jewish, but you're also from Arizona or you're from Mississippi or you're uh, a football player or you're a math genius or whatever you are. I mean, you know, uh, how do we um, how do we decide uh, that you're only this one thing. That's I mean, right. part of the American genius is to give people that kind of freedom That's to right. decide and become who they are, not who I think they should be. Oh, that's such a great way to end this and circle back, because as they speak of breaking glass ceilings, they're actually imposing them on themselves. Well, that's right. Yeah. I, I, I think that's right. I, I do think it's important to break glass ceilings. Of course. I think you want to break them. I think we have, though. I think we have. If you get an right. African-American president two terms in a row with 99% in Iowa voting for you, I don't know why we celebrate a glass ceiling of a vice president. I'm with you, my friend. <laughs> I'm with you. Professor, you are a, you are a, a charge and a delight, and uh, I, I will have you on any time. Uh, anytime you uh, you have okay, time. Okay, next Thursday at 3. You got it. You got okay. it. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. All right, Professor, I'll follow up. Bye-bye. God bless and Godspeed. Charles Lipson was our guest, folks. Just uh, just such a great and wide and broad mind. Uh, again, you can go to his website, charleslipson.com, L-I-P-S-O-N. I'm Seth, and I'll be back with one concluding thought. Thank, thank you for spending some of your afternoon with us. As much as it should apply to the likes of Kamala Harris, it should apply to the likes of Nikki Haley or to anyone who immigrated to this country or whose family or whose family's family did. I mentioned to uh, Professor Lipson, we used to study a Frenchman who moved here in the 18th century, uh, St. John de Crivacour, who again like so many others, understood us better than we understood ourselves. He wrote this vastly important book, Letter to an American Farmer, where he speaks of the immigrant whose motto is Ubi Panis Ibi Patria. Where there is bread, that is my country. And he asks, who is this American? Who is this new man? An American is someone who, leaving behind him all his ancient prejudices and manners, receives new ones from the new mode of life he has embraced, new government he obeys, and the new rank he holds. He becomes an American by being received in the broad lap of our great alma mater. Here, individuals of all nations are melted into a new race of man whose labors and posterity will one day cause great changes in the world. And they will all be made by Americans. Americans. We've lost that sense, and it's almost a dirty word now to even speak of what that notion of e pluribus unum or the melting pot once was. I ask you one question. Are we better because of it? Are we better because we lost that sense? Ubi panis ibi patria. I am Seth Liebson. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. Class is dismissed.